I want to give this roadmap to the dealerships of like, you know, don't be afraid of the technology, embrace the technology, but understand that it's a process more than it is exactly. a piece of technology. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of The Drive. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. For everyone out there that's watching or listening right now and maybe don't know who you are, okay. let's start off with that two-minute origin story that's sure. John, yeah. just so we have some context. Yeah, John Gottschalk. I've uh, been in the car business 23 years. I uh, backdoored my way into the industry. I married into a, a Ford family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the McCrackens. And uh, one day they took me to lunch and they said, hey, you're on the road a lot and I think you'd be a good uh, finance manager. I'd like to invite you into the business. I'm like, I didn't even know what a finance manager did. <laughs> so, uh, so that was my entry into the, uh, the, the automotive retail world and I uh, spent eight years at our family dealership and went to the dealer academy, which is great training. If anybody's out there, I highly recommend the NADA Dealer yeah. Academy for training. Um, so held pretty much every position at a dealership. And obviously, when you're the outlaw in the family, you're, you're thrust with filling a lot of the holes. You're the finger in the for dike sure. and uh, the <laughs> trusted person. So, you know, I did a lot of that. So I've sat in a lot of the seats that a lot of you guys that are listening out there are sitting in today. And, and the auto business is a great business because a lot of things in 23 years really haven't changed. That's true. And uh, moved on to work some, some time with the AutoNation on AutoNation Direct, their online car buying service. Yeah. Worked with a company in uh, Austin, Texas called Trilogy. Okay. Uh, heavy into technology, obviously. So it was really my first foray into the online space. Mm -hmm. And great eye-opener for me to see what the future was going to be. And that was over 11, 12 years ago. Well, and coming so. into that with your operation experience, I mean, you must have been looking at that tech as from an operational, you know, yeah. kind of objective, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and so, you know, did that for a year and a half and then went to work for a, a company called Ford Direct. And oh, you know, I think uh, I've heard of those guys. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> Ford Direct, I spent eight years there, was the 33rd employee at Ford Direct, and, you know, really a dealer-led company as we started out, uh, looking to found, you know, technology pieces to put into dealerships to help them move yeah. their business forward yes. right and so you know that was a nice eye-opener too to understand the complexities that dealers face every day and how they bring in these technologies to use um, and be more efficient and effective and how the consumers have moved online and even back in my days at, at McCracken in two, you know 97 98 when we first started putting in you know, websites. Yes. And I was taking faxes from Stone Age, you know, from my father-in-law handing them to me. That was 98, 99, right? 98, 99. Right, so I think my first dealership, they got their first website in 2001. Yeah. Might have been early, might have been probably late right 2000, there, yeah. but yeah, it was probably right around there, yeah. And so, you know, for me, I started, you know, taking and calling leads and, and Chip Perry reached out to me from Auto Trader at the time and wanted me to come talk to dealers in Pittsburgh about how I was handling the internet leads. And I'm like, now, what, did you you're have internet me? leads back then? Because I always talked to like OGs. We did call them that. I remember calling them. I actually found a form that like a super old Excel sheet that I had filled out probably in 2002. Uh -huh. And it actually had um, internet inquiries. Okay. That I think was actually the terminology that we were using at the time. Yeah. And then I saw a little down and it said form fills. So I think internet inquiries, internet forms is what we were calling them. 
I don't know at what point in time during an industry we changed the language Boy. to start calling these things leads. And I, I hate I, the word. Yeah, it's like, terrible. Really it's a terrible word. metric. Yeah. It's, it's, it's to me is the worst metric we've ever established in the car yeah. business. And, and it was funny, you know, my, my father would walk those down the hallway. My, my desk was at the end of the hallway. If you remember the old Ford stores, usually the owner sat up the hallway and he'd walk down and hand me the, the leads, these faxes they came across. And I would just call the customers. So Chip asked me to come talk to dealers. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just call people and talk to them, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and so, you know, when you start thinking about that and how, the industry's evolved, you know, when you think about those online leads and the forms. And really, we did ourselves the biggest disservice because we put the technology out in front of process. That's true. Like, we just assumed, like, the website was going to sell the car for us. So we just assumed that the autoresponder was going to engage well enough so that the customer would just show up and yeah. just want to sign on the dotted and, line. And, it, and you just said something that was really interesting. You know, the customer was going to show up and just sign on the dotted line. That's what somehow, and, I don't know where we... I don't know how we got that expectation, but dealerships somehow created, or maybe it's our fault because maybe we were selling the tech, maybe kind of in that way at that time. And I remember, yeah, I remember 2005 sitting down with the website provider, and pretty much that was not far from the pitch. Was yeah. you know what? Just put this out there. Uh, people will just show up. Like literally, they'll just they'll show up and they'll be ready to buy. Right. And you know, one of the things that I used to because I was the uh, the son-in-law, I would take the overflow sales. So on a, like a Saturday or something, you know, I, I would go out and meet, greet, you know, greet Mr. and Mrs. Smith and, and I was busy, they're busy, right? Yeah. And, and everybody was hearing at the time that we were going to sell cars online, right? Every, everybody's going to, the yeah. future of the car is to sell cars online. That was in 99, 2000. That, the tech. I remember that. And yeah. that's 20 years ago. I know. What are we I supposed know. to be doing today? Selling cars online. Do we do that yet? No, even Carvana doesn't totally nope. do that. They, they still, still do, do the it. paperwork at the dealer, at the customer's house, whatever. That's right. So. So I would greet Mr. and Mrs. Smith, say, hey, it's your, you know, this is great. Welcome to the dealership, you know. And one of the things that's great about today is you, I'm Mr. McCracken's son-in-law. And yeah. I know you're really busy, right, Jason? And, and I'm sure you've been doing a lot of research on the Internet because everybody's supposed to be doing that, right? Yes. And even if Jason didn't do anything on the Internet, he'd be like, yeah, I've been doing that. Of because course. you didn't want to be the guy you, saying, no, I, I didn't do that. No, I wasn't right? doing it. <laughs> and I'd say, you know, hey, I'm really busy. I know you could see we're real busy today. Obviously, I'm, I don't usually take, you know, um, customers. I, I'm just fortunate enough to take you today. And I'm sure you know exactly what you're looking for. Well, you know, I'll make the numbers work. You know, what color car do you like? Let's just take it for a ride and we'll make sure it works out for you. I sold a ton of cars that way. Yeah. And it really, to me, I think it's, the, it's an instrument that dealers could use today. Because most customers are online now. They do actually go online and do their research. Yes, and I think that's where maybe the tech is actually getting us closer to understanding just where the customer's mindset is. Mm -hmm. You know, are, are, they, are they still doing research? Which is okay. If they come into the dealership and they're still in the research part of their buying cycle, okay, that's fine. Let's, right. let's, let's make sure we have a process, though, for them. You right. know, right. Um, That process is going to be a lot different looking than someone who's maybe shopping. I mean, right. They already know the two or three cars that they're interested in, and now they're at this place where they just want to physically touch or feel or smell or sit down or listen or whatever they whatever floats their boat, right. right? Right. You know, and then there are people that's like, okay, they're on their third Rav Four, and you know, know exactly. their lease is up, and they just want to get another Rav Four, right? Yeah. 
But right. it's like, I, I, the technology I feel like is getting closer to helping us identify sure. if they're just researching, if they're shopping, or if they're straight up just ready to buy. Yeah, unfortunately I was never able to do that when I was at the Ford store because our leases were never good enough the next time the guy came yeah. in that the payment would be like $200 more. It's like $200 <laughs> more because Ford had a great incentive going on at that time and then that customer comes back and it's like, hey, I'd kind of like to get the same car I had before. And we're like, oh, great, not a problem, here you go. And it's $220 more a month. And they're like, what the heck is this? Yeah, you know, we like, always kind of had that hey, problem. Hey, what do you think you're at a Toyota dealership? Come yeah, on, exactly. this is a Ford store. <laughs> you got the same lease payment for eight years straight. Yeah, really, you can't do that. So yeah, so, but from the technology standpoint, I think, you know, I think customers are doing a lot of that research. Yeah. And we have to adapt our processes and, and how we address the customer when they come in. I, I think, you know, obviously I don't sell cars every day anymore. Every once in a sure. while I'll go in and, and act like I'm selling a car with somebody. It but it's fun to do that though, isn't it? It is. It is. And I'm I, I actually would like to again start start getting myself involved in a little bit more of that so I can better understand what the customers really are coming in because yep. you know, NADA says that fifty to sixty percent of the customers are just walking in your store with all the information they want to come buy a car. Yeah. They haven't called you, they haven't submitted a lead. And and so, you know, we have to address the customer like they've already they're ready. Like and, and I think my style yeah. of what I did back in two thousand or ninety nine of just, hey, I know your time's you know, they're there to buy a car. Nobody yes, nobody's coming to the dealership anymore not to buy a car. And I think we need to to address the customer with respect of, hey I know it's your time is very valuable and we want to make sure that you have the best experience at XYZ dealership and that's yep. why we have this you know commitment to customer satisfaction um, and what is it exactly you know you know either if your technology's allowed you to do something online now I know a lot of the manufacturers are moving like if you're online you can save it and the in-store we can pull it up Mr. Customer whatever but I think where what stage are you at, or what's the opportunity that we can work on today to maximize your time? Sure. And and so I think you need to address customers that way, and more about you know how to help them buy the car than it is sell them anything. And I think that's where technology can kind of come in. It, technology can help them figure out how they're going to buy the car. How do they want to own the car? Um, you know what um, what car actually does make sense for them and their needs. Yeah. Um, but I think as dealerships, we're still. It's almost, I feel like kind of split down the middle, right? Yeah. I find like there, it's a 50-50. I have dealerships that are embracing technology, but then even the 50% that are really embracing the technology, they're still trying to figure out how the technology fits within their process. And they don't realize that that's like putting a square into a round hole. That's not going to work, right? right? Exactly. Like the, the, these tech, these technology come with a process. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not how you're going to take the technology and force it into your process. It is a new set of processes. Yeah. And that's where I see a lot of them kind of fall off. And I think what we're really kind of talking about is like things like digital retailing, things right. about, you know, like video lead response. What's, what's some of your favorite tech right now, actually? Um, well, I mean, obviously at, at LotLinks, one of the things that I find, and, and when I joined LotLinks over two and a half years ago, was the ability to leverage the, the data that we already have from our Google Analytics, our inventory yeah. feeds, and, and show the dealer, you know, what is actually happening with their media spends. Yes. And and with the you know, when when the internet first came to all of us dealers, it was like now we're going to be able to track everything. We'll know exactly what's going on. And and I still have dealers today say, John, I, I got all this. You know, I'm spending I think more than I've ever spent, and I don't feel like I'm selling any more cars. Yeah. And and it's supposed to be more efficient, more effective. And I think what we've done at, at Lotlinks is we've allowed the dealer now to have some of that insight that's going to help them analyze that spend a little bit more efficiently to understand 
the traffic to my website, which is really your online, it's your online store. Well, and that's what right. technology is supposed to be doing. Exactly. We're you, you, said, you said the keyword, it's efficiency. It yeah. should be making everything efficient. It like, if it's a technology that's designed to be forward facing to the, to the consumer, it should be making that car buying process for them more efficient. Right. If it's a piece of technology for the dealerships, because we know the t tremendous amount of money collectively as an industry we, sp we spend on marketing, all right, we should be more efficient with it. I think you know? I think it's incorporating it into your process. I think it's yeah. you know I, I I truly believe that there's a way because you know it, transparency is an overused word yes. in my book and I it agree. doesn't merely mean anything and because everybody knows you've got to make money yeah. to stay in business and take care of the customer and and I think there's ways to incorporate it into your processes when it might be when it's talk about you know the used car when you're coming in you're you're anal, you know taking a look at that and you're doing a appraisal on the the customer's vehicle the things that we did back in the day with our our store was you were supposed to take the customer out and walk around the car yeah and help understand their value that they thought their car was worth and and really show the blemishes and obviously so when you present them with the number they understand why yeah and i think we forget the why part for our customers yeah and and um and it's about how do you take that technology and put the why with them and they and then they start engaging together with that process engaging together so that's the thing like i just i for some reason i i feel like our industry sometimes just views uh technology and they view them as like silver bullets mm -hmm. you know what yeah, i mean like uh diet pills diet yeah. pills do you know what i mean like yeah. quick quick diet pills you want to lose 20 pounds here take a pill you know yeah. it's like you want to you want to sell more cars here here's a pill here's a pill yeah. <laughs> you know? and i think the thing you just said right there sell more cars and and in some dealerships I don't think they can sell more cars. No, and I don't think that necessarily and that's not, should be the goal. It's not about that. It's about it how isn't. can I be more efficient in exactly. my processes and what I'm doing at the store to become more, um, when it comes to my spend and marketing, to be more efficient to spend the right money to obtain at least what I'm getting today yeah. um, and save that money because that dollar saved, if you think about the margin, how exponentially that makes that dollar that much larger, right? Because yeah. um, your return on your investment. So if you're out there spending $1 to make 30 cents you you know it's not worth it right no, no, if, no, if sure. you're spending that dollar to make five dollars I want to do more of that right and and the customer the people you have at your store you know your guy that's the 12 car guy is he ever going to be the 15 or 20 car guy does he have the capabilities in, well, in, in, in most businesses and does, does he want, want to, to because be. he doesn't want to do that much more work that's right and your manager and then there's really nothing wrong with that it's there's scary. actually legitimately nothing wrong with that i actually sat down with a exactly. uh, with a, a salesperson the other day and he was significantly stressed out and i'm like why are you stressed out he goes like jay like they want me to sell 20 cards a month and i'm, I'm just i don't yeah i'm not gonna do it it's like i, I, I totally know? agree with i that. said well, what would you and he was a 12 car guy yeah. and he's like look i i'm, I'm good like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy. I can, I, I can go home when I need to go home. I'm not having to come in late and stay late like some yeah. of the other guys are. Like I got two young kids. Like I got, like I'm good where I'm at. But that's not necessarily in line with what the dealership's looking for. And right. It's just like, but I think that's because we need to understand more of our employees' wise. And you know what? That's funny you say that because when I joined the family business, I came from a corporate side where my goal was to be the CEO, right? That that yeah. whole ladder to the top. Yeah. And not everybody wants to be on that ladder. And so I would come and there, we had a lot of tenants that had been with us for 10, 15 years. Yeah. And I was like, why is that guy a lot of tenant? And yeah. they liked what they did. That's what they did. They had a family. They wanted to be home. They didn't want to have to, you know, do the sales. You know, there's, there's 
you know, a seat for everybody. My father-in-law used to say there's a butt for every seat, you know, and we've got to find them. Yeah. And, and in, in your corporate worlds and, and in business, it's about do we have the right people in the right seats? And those goals and objectives those people have, we have to get them so they fit into what we're trying to accomplish as dealers. Sure. And the technology part can help us find, I think, <clears throat> when you start looking at the iPads and the way to, that they can work those iPads and use with the customers efficiently in the sales process helps find the right people because you don't have to be totally that car guy and you don't have to be that sales guy so much anymore. The transparency of the pricing and things that we have today. Well, let's talk about a little bit about transparency because I think it's it's another one of those buzzwords that, that I like to throw around, right? Yeah. And really what it is, it is just... Uh, it, it's communication. Right. That's really what it is. Yes. is we're, we're bettering our communication efforts through technology, which generates a level of transparency. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I think there's just a lot of people confused about like what transparency means. It's like they, some people seem to think that transparency is like, do I have to show them exactly how much money I'm making on this thing? No. Like, no, that's not yeah. what we're talking about, right? It's just we're talking about being more efficient with our communication efforts. And it's about value well and it's the perception <clears throat> and that's what of that perceived that's really value, is yeah. what transparency is is if i have been able to provide the customer their perceived value of the product that they're buying yeah. in, in their in their day-to-day -day lives and is that value worth the price and so you know there's a difference between price and value Yep. And the value is how this is going to help get me from point A to point B or get to the soccer game with my kids, exactly. whatever that is. And it, and so it's that the transparency is really to you that discussion of just being a, be able to talk to people in a manner that mm -hmm. shows respect, that you're finding their needs. You've got you're you're giving them the benefits of what the vehicle can do for them. You know, I sold Saturns for about eight months with uh, the Numrich Automotive Group with um Bill Numrich, uh, his Saturn store. And I thought that was a great experience for me before I started working at the Ford store because it was the road to the, the sale. It was yes. the, we, we talked to the customer about the when they came in, what the expectations were gonna be. We, we told them what we were gonna do, the steps till they walked out or drove that car off the curb was here's the first thing. We're, and, and we could start at any point of that process based off of the deal that customers already coming into the store where they wanted to start. Sure. And, and I think you know, that's kind of how we have to be. We have to be really meeting the customers at the point they want to be at that point and understanding, but you have to ask some questions. Well, we have to communicate and... Yeah. Um, and technology is the worst enemy to communication sometimes. Well, it's but it's the way that we use it. it See, is. people have to understand that, that technology is not a, it's not an easy button, okay? There is, <laughs> I, like, it's not, it's not an easy button, right? Like, it is giving us a tool, a tool's only as good as how well we use it, all right? But that tool gives us the ability to communicate with the customer in a faster way. And that's just, that's our, if that's our CRM systems, mm -hmm. if that's our lead management tools, if that's our uh, video response tools, which kind of like video, video, I enjoy I video. Like video too, I'm, right. I'm, I'm a visual uh, guy. You know, and we're in Vegas. I mean, look at the visual stimulation you have. I mean, it's amazing. This place, I've been coming for 23 years. I, I can't imagine how many times I've been to Vegas, over 120 times, Ty. And it just it always amazes me, the visual stimulation, what goes on here, and, and how they, you know, when you think about customer experience, this is what it's all about. Yes. This is, every one of these hotels we go into is about the customer and how we are, you know, stimulated and how they want you to spend money here. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about centered around the customer. And I think that that's where technology needs to always be thinking when we look at putting those into our processes of the store, Agreed. it needs to center around the customer yeah. and not more, not 
of course it solves problems we have as a dealer and our people there, but it's about how does it engage with our customers um, and, and help us be better in the experience that they're gonna have when they come into XYZ dealership. Oh, for sure. I mean, if, if you, right now I think the approach for dealers when it comes to looking at these new tools and new CRMs and new lead management tools, new chat systems and new website tools and new website widgets or trading widgets and all these things, like there's just, there's a widget for everything right now, by sure the way. Is. Isn't yeah. there? I think there is, I definitely um, <laughs> I saw a shuttle widget the other day. A shuttle widget. Yeah, so oh. it's like an app. You just get to order, customer now, the dealership gets, the customer oh, okay. of the dealership just gets to order their own shuttle. Oh, okay, to come pick them up while their car's getting fixed or yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's good. calling in. To me, it's a know? great, but it's got to, you've got to figure out how it works, how well, it works, right? I, I mean, is we've, looked at, we've looked at this tech and we look at how is it going to serve my needs as a dealership, but it's like, that's not the right way to look at it. Mm -hmm. It's like, we have to be looking at this technology and embracing it and buying into it because how it serves our customers' needs. Yeah. And so often do I see a, a tool, um, like even like your guys's, that gets bought into the dealership, but then it doesn't ever really get It utilized. never gets leveraged the way it, it should, ever. I, I, don't th I can't even because say there's a... it's not what the goal and objective behind the customer. It's, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about marketing, for example, right? Like right. that's your first form of communication. You're communicating to them a message, right? right. And it better be, how do you gonna know if it's not the right message if you're not tracking the damn thing? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, I had to talk with a, um, uh, an automotive group yesterday and it was about, you know, what are the things that you, you would do to change how they go to market them. Like, first of all, I have to understand your process your, at your store. What are the what are the measurements that you look at that help you sell cars every day? And, yeah. and if you're not doing those things, it's not gonna matter what we do on the advertising side for no. the most part, because you know, we were an APB store at our Ford store. It was about, you know, the desk and and taking the ups and, and measuring the those what ha you know, we needed to sell a hundred cars, how many customers do we have to talk to? I mean, what are the basic things of blocking this, and tackling? It's like 2020, we're still talking about It's about this. blocking and tackling. What are the foundations? And, yeah. and so I think we get away from that as, as, as car folks and, um, and that really need to concentrate on that more, and especially yeah. in this day and age. I think, you know, from a, from a technology standpoint, I think we've, I personally feel like we're kind of at that top point we right now. There's, we've tapped you. out and now it's like, about, let's use the damn yeah, let's figure out how does the process part of it, right? Yes. How does it get implemented? So we've put the technologies all in front of our process and we're kind of like the horse before the carriage or whatever the yeah, saying no, is. And now we've got to kind of rope it back in and say, okay, let's stop all this noise. Let's figure out our regular blocking and tackling. And then what are the things that are actually leading people into our store so we can sell cars? Yes. Um, and service cars, right? And and I think then if we attack our marketing in that manner, and you look at it as a waterfall, working your way back up the waterfall as you spend money, yep. uh, always with an eye on the prize, and that's your customer. I think it all comes down to the way that we're setting goals and objectives, or lack of goals and objectives. That actually seems to be the more consistent theme with a lot yep. of people. It's like. It's like you go into a dealership and the goal and objective, what's your goal and objective? Sell more cars, service more, sell some more parts. Okay, yeah. can we get a little more specific yeah. here? Like, you know, right. like the what's- smart, right? <laughs> Isn't it smart, right? Yeah, it's like can, can we go a little deeper there? You know, like yeah. why are you, I think what it is is that we all know what we do, right? We sell cars, we service cars, we sell parts, okay? Right. Uh, we all are pretty good about training and developing out how we do it. Right. But I don't think we've necessarily spent enough time really talking about why we do it the way that we do it. 
And because we don't know that why, it's really hard for us to give our goals and and objection, or our goals and um, objectives more of a direction yeah. than just simply saying, I want to hit this number. Right, right. You know? And to the next extent, it's inspecting what you expect. Yeah. And really being accountable to that. And I think we, you know, I know for a fact that we weren't really good at that, inspecting what we expected. We would talk about it, and it was a lot of talk, but it wasn't really, you know, implemented real well. And it, the expectations of the managers and what they're expected to do. And, and that's being granular in your expectations of the goals and objectives you had and measuring those and then holding them accountable to those measurable goals and objectives. So that everybody had clarity, right? Yeah. I mean, a team functions the best when it has clarity of the objective and the goal that they're trying to accomplish when you think about the Kansas City Chiefs and, and trying to get to the Super Bowl. What are the things they practiced? They had uh, things that they did, they the blocking and tackling, they and they had to do it, you know, and, and they got to that point where they got the prize at the end, the, the Lombardi Trophy. And I think that's where we all have to kind of really become, you know, true to ourselves about that. Um, I, it, it's an honesty thing. I think we do have to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror first before you know we go to that next step, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, you know, there's a. I just feel like when the dealers we see today at NADA, they're coming out here first and foremost. They go to the market, their 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 own manufacturer meetings. Yeah. And then they've got specific things that they're coming for. It's not like the old times you come to NADA and everybody's walking the floors to buy, you know, whatever they they saw. Right, so, and and now they're coming with specific things that they're looking for, and I think that they are getting back to the roots of their business, um, and understand because this is going to be a tough year. This oh, is going to yeah. be a really tough year. No one's going to be selling. No one's going to be spending any more money than they did the previous year. I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like ad budgets are not going to go up. That's right. All right? Operational expenses are not going to go up. <laughs> if it, everybody's looking at that of how do I keep it at par, or at least how I actually. Yeah, and you just got to be more, you got to look for the tools that are going to make you efficient. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, I, I think over, even last year I saw it start. This year I think we're going to see it. And I think over the next couple of years, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Name the game is going to be efficiency. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. Everything has to be efficient. Uh, yeah. uh, the way that we market, all right, the way we communicate to our customers, all right, the, the, our operations, our processes. Like, I mean, I'm thinking like when I first started in this business, I remember we had this old sales manager that refused to use the CRM system. <laughs> refused. Yeah. But when, but I also couldn't like blame him because when I sat down with him, he opened up a notebook and he manually tracked every single opportunity he ever had. Right. Right. He knew how many test drives he took. He knew how many customers he talked to on the phone. He knew all of this stuff. So I'm like, well, technically you're doing exactly what the CRM is doing. But yeah, but it was like, outside of everything you needed from a dealer across the board, exactly, right? And, exactly. And so, the, I mean, you really have to, those folks, you need to get them in, engaged into how it's going to make them even take that, yeah. that what they're doing in the paper and make them more efficient to, you know, make their lives easier. I mean, maybe they don't have to sell more cars, but just make their life easier. Well, I also find because that there's there's this piece to physically writing something down. You know what I mean? Like I it, do. it's I still it's the I do too. I actually I do too. I like I actually have a notebook full of like leads that I'm following up on yeah. or yeah. opportunities. It's yeah, we have Salesforce. We use Salesforce, yeah. but you know what? I still write stuff down I in my do book, too. and I, I know exactly what page to go back to. I think so. I'll use both. I will. <laughs> I, I will use both. Um, <laughs> but I have found for let's say some of the, the younger people have gotten to the industry, maybe in the last five or seven years, that the CRM systems are almost kind of making them lazy. Yeah. Do you, does that, do you, have you seen this where it's it now kind of going the other direction where it's just like, 
it's just like just push a button, just push a button, just push a button. Just yeah, push but they're not really engaged. Yeah, they're not engaged. They're not engaged. Okay, so maybe it's not the word lazy. Maybe I'm using the wrong word. Maybe that's what it is. They're just engaged. not engaged. But when I'm like writing stuff down in my notebook, right, and yeah. I'm cross-referencing my notebook with my CRM, you know, it's like I'm engaged. I'm yeah. leaning in. Right. And it seems like and right. It, it, it's it, it, you're not only writing it down, but it's also you see yourself writing it. You know, yeah. it's a lot of that stimulus that goes into your mind that keeps it going. If you're just putting and pushing buttons on the CRM, it's not the same thing as writing it down, the actual physically doing something. Yeah. Um, and I think that yeah, it's I mean it's really just about being engaged and. Yeah. Um, I think that's where technology hurts some of us. I mean, they think about some of the kids and what they do. They're not engaged one-on-one -on -one with people. No. You know, and that's a lost, becoming a lost art, I think. Well, this is a people business, and somehow we've placed, like, I don't know. Still is. And people pay more for the person that they want to be around and, and that they enjoy coming. I mean, you used to have those customers that would come to the store, and you, you've got a relationship with yeah. them, right? You knew the guys, and, and it was great. I mean, I remember when we had our store, we always knew who we could call to do some work around the house. We had the, you know, the contractor guy that we could call him up, and he would send a crew out. I mean, that was what was great about being a car dealer was yeah. all those types of relationships you had. And when you leave that business, you, move, you lose it. Oh, and all I have now is Home Advisor. You're gonna, yeah. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're gonna love this hack. I love this. Um, I saw this salesperson do this. Um, uh, I don't know if you can do this in the U.S., but or with U.S. cell phone providers, but in Canada, you can actually uh, choose what your caller ID or what it says on it. So okay. you, I can call. I can call up my my uh, cell phone provider and I can tell them how I want it. So it won't just show up my first time, I can say whatever I want. Okay. So I had this young uh, young gentleman that's in the car business. It hadn't started that long ago. And he went and changed his cell phone number so that up on the caller ID, it says your car guy. Uh. So as people saved his phone number into mm -hmm. their phone, uh -huh. and I, the news goes down, hey Siri, call my, oh, car, my car guy. guy. Nice. And it's just, it's just automatically just pulling it up. So and that's his own self-branding. You right. know, that that's another area that we could perfect? talk, we could probably, you know, keep driving here yeah. and then talk about that self-branding part. Yeah. You know, you know, we all know that those guys, it, it's a part of the business. Yeah. You know, when you lose that sales guy, a 20 car guy, and he goes someplace else, he takes a certain percentage of those cars because actually customers are not that loyal anymore. No. They're no, more loyal to that guy, yeah. the car guy, the person. and then they are to that to the brand. Yeah. And um, so, that was super important. I mean, even when we closed our store in 07, I still had customers calling me and asking where they should go buy a car. Can I meet them there? Could I help them? Because I they still trusted get me. Calls today. They trusted me, and, they, and I get calls too. They ask me, you know, <laughs> how can I help, or, or you know, X plan and A plans and stuff like that. I mean, I'll get you an X plan if somebody needs a Ford. I can. I know some folks to call for the X plan, right? Sure. <laughs> um, but you know, that kind of stuff is important, and and um, and it goes right back to the people part, the people and process. Um, and then making sure we build that our technologies we're bringing into the store around our processes. And if we have to change a process, it has to be bought in from your people. And the people have to be a part of that change. And you can't force it on them. No, you can't force them on. But yeah. as, so I got someone asked me actually this morning, I was out at breakfast uh, with a dealer and they asked me, they go, I understand that I can't force it onto my people. How do I get people to buy in, right? And I'm like, there's been thousands of books yeah. written on this. But I find at, at the core of it is that they're not going to want to own your why unless you know their why, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So I said, well, you know, it, you have you have something that you're trying to get accomplished, you're trying to get it bought into, but you're just telling them to 
to do it. They're not, they're not seeing, they're not understanding why you're doing it because they don't believe in your why. And that's right. simply because you don't even know their why. Right. You know, is is Jim working? You know, for you because he's trying to move out of his mother's basement apartment. Right. Is uh, does Bill work for you and show up every single day and do what he does because he's trying to pay for his daughter's you know college tuition? Like, understand that is this gentleman, this service advisor, does he want to be a service manager? And that's why he's doing it. You know, so okay, if you, yeah. cool. Let's let's know their why. Right. You got to know their why for sure, and it's the same thing with your customers coming in to buy. You know, why are they yes. there? And it's it all it all goes back to why, and it's not. And then I I read a book once was it's not your why, yes. you know. And that that's a I can't remember the name of the the author, but I, you know, it was a couple of years ago I read one of my goals was to read fifty two books in a year. Did you? I did. That's awesome. Don't ever do that. I won't. It's a lot of books. I don't read. And and a lot of them. I listen. Say, I listen to them. I, I, I will. Well, that's what my kids said. They said, "Dad, you really didn't read the books." Oh, did you? You listen to them, listen to them and I had them on one point two five speed. I do. I do the same thing. You got to. You can pick you it up quicker. You listen faster. Yes. Um, but it was a lot of books, and it was a lot of the, some of the repetitive type stuff because I read a lot of business and self help type books. And, yep. Um, but. But it was the book was it's not your why or you know and it, so I thought that was a great book it's a great book if I have to look it up and send it to you and you can maybe put it on there. Okay, so you've consumed a lot, so give me your three favorite titles, your three favorite books. Let's do that. Oh boy, well that one's one of my top ones, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. God, that is a classic. It's a it? classic. Everybody should. It's a classic. I think I, everybody needs. Everybody to needs to read that, and I tell you, if you take a Dale Carnegie class just to do that, I think it's. The, one of the best things you can do for yourself um, because it's still a people business and, and I always tell my, my kids it's not about what you're learning in school it's how you're learning to engage with other people around you um, and you can do anything because I have a general studies degree mm -hmm. I spent six full years undergrads at Kent State University <laughs> uh, I have a general studies in psychology and biology and I tell you what it, you know it's fine you know you can be in, you don't need to be in business school yeah you know just just learn how to talk with people I do have a finance degree an MBA in finance but I never use that either. Yeah. It's it's more of my gift to gab and talking and but um, that's that's those are my two of my favorites and um, you know there was a, a a really cool book I read and um, it was a, a Navy SEAL um, and it was a guy I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head but it was really good about just being dedicated and and really driven on the little things and the little improvements every day and um and there's a lot of books about you know just doing one th but it is all about the little things. it's the little things and my father used to say yep. you know take care of the little problems because they don't become big problems well i think you know? as, as an industry like when we identify a big problem we seem to take care of it pretty quick Squelch it. right yeah. like it is just like nope that's not going to happen we'll shut that down real fast right right but it's it's the little things are the reasons why people will stay employed with you. Well, that's I or mean, buy from you. It goes or back or not or not. It goes back to the inspect what you expect. Yeah. Because if you allow the little things to get overlooked or you don't do anything about it, they become they just it slowly evolves your store into the bad habits. Yes. And now, you know, we were an APB dealer, which was basically if anybody remembers or anybody still uses it, great. We, we would go to the desk with the first pencil. Yep. You go back to your customer, never leave that customer. Yep. And then you pick up the phone and call the desk. That helps you hold gross. Yep. It, a lot of great things happen. Yep. But what I found and what happened at our store is we got away from that. And we were getting up and leaving our customers. And, and nowadays with our cell phones, the customer's going right on there and they're doing their showrooming. 
course. Right? And they're shopping they and they're, you can't blame them. Why not? Yeah. And so, but that was shame on us yeah. to get away from that. Even, you know, it maybe wasn't customer friendly, but it still did what we needed to do. And that was sell cars yes. at a profit yes. and make money. And, and again, it speaks back to that appraisal. How did we not, we got away from engaging our customers about the walk around with the car. Yeah. And, and so all those little things that you stop doing add up over time. It's the little things. It's just, you know what's funny is I almost, um, I would almost like to see a role, like a position, like at a dealer group, because I don't think you can do it at an individual dealership, but I want to see like the director of little things. <laughs> that's, that's smart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I actually think it would be a role that would bring serious ROI. Oh, Elvis's wedding. Elvis's wedding. Elvis's wedding, right there. Look at that. That's where Elvis got The made. little chapel right the chapel. there. Oh my gosh. That's pretty cool. <laughs> wow, nice. Very good. And I just want to say, can you imagine, like I was just, we went out to this uh, Italian restaurant the other night for uh, dinner and I can't remember the name and it's so bad that I don't remember it, but <laughs> it was uh, a regular stomping ground uh -huh. for, um, you know, uh, for uh, Frank rat, Sinatra and Dean and Sammy and just all of them. It's just like, I just, the history. I tell you, there's a great place, place probably not far from where we're at right now, um, called the Golden Steer. The Golden Steer? It's okay. in this little strip mall. You, you pull up, it's kind of indiscriminate looking, and you, you open the door, and I, you go in, it's like walking back in time. The guys are all dressed in their, uh, their tuxedos, and they all have their individual, the guy that makes the Caesar salad right there at your desk, they got the wine steward, go. they got all yeah, the guys, yeah. they're playing Sinatra music, they got the big round tables you get to sit at, they're all up, lined up. Just a great place, if you ever get a chance to go there, it's called Love the Golden Steer, it's, it's tremendous, really great food. Um, and really old Vegas feel. Um, been around for 50, 60 years. Yeah, that's a great, the, the person is in charge of little things. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, it just still goes back to accountability. That's what it is. It's but all it's accountability just... and, and it's, as leaders, as dealers, it's holding your people accountable. Yeah. Um, and, and it's okay because I think people want to be held accountable. They want, they want somebody to know that they, because it shows you care. Yeah. Well, it's just insane. Like, I mean, think of this. I can see what this person could do. I mean, literally go from dealership to dealership, and we're talking all the way down to like how the receptionist answers the phone. Oh my gosh, we had a horrible one. I just called the dealership the other day, and oh. I was like, oh my god. I actually called. I called Brutal. the first time I called the dealership because what happened was is I, I had a different cell phone on me, and normally I just call the dealer principal directly. Uh -huh. And uh, I was like, oh crap, what's his number? What's his number? I couldn't find it, so I was using a different phone. So I, I called into the dealership. Probably the first time in the two years I worked with him, I actually physically called to the dealership. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. I was like, I had, a, I, I got, I got through to him, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, Bill, yeah. we need to talk about this. Um, I'm like, who's that? He goes, I know. And that's, that was, he gave but, me uh, those two words. And I was I like, well, what do you mean you know? Like, what are you doing about it? That's a problem. <laughs> like, right? If you know and you're not doing anything about it, then you're the problem. <laughs> that's what I was saying. It's say. not that, that receptionist. She's, a, she's just doing what she does. Well, I did, I, look, I actually asked. I said, is, he, is she having a bad day? Because I didn't know, right? And I wasn't going to pretend like I didn't know, right? Yeah. Um, and, and he was like, no. And I said, well, is that normally the way she answers? And yes. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, well, come to find out that she's a family member. Oh, boy. So then you know how yeah. family dynamics are in dealerships and it's everything. And I know. Like, I, was, I was that family member. I know. That's right? what I'm saying. I you can, you can, but you can have a thousand bad. But about me, I was our Blue Oval champion back when Ford was doing Blue Oval. And um, 
you know, my father-in-law brother took me into the room one day and said, look, this blue oval thing came out. There's a lot of money attached to it. We're going to make sure we get it. So you're in charge of it. I'm like, great. Do you remember, but, your, do you remember your, your Ford provided lease calculators? Oh, yeah. The half car stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're awesome. I still know some of my, my trainers. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a guy up in, uh, up in Boston um, that I know. And then um, Mike Vince is in uh, Youngstown. Um, I know Michael real well. Um, all those old stuff, you know, it was, it was you, half a car is great. I love half a car, I know, right? you know, <laughs> like and, and it's, uh, you know, you talk, do you think some of these new guys could actually sell a lease if they didn't have uh, a computer system? Probably not, man. <laughs> we, we had, what was that? Lane logic was one of the things that we had. I think it was lane logic. Yeah. And it was, you know, would bring in all the calculations from all the different banks and it would put all the stuff. Oh my gosh, it was great. <laughs> Nobody knew how to use it. And nobody knew how to apply it into what we were doing. It was just awesome. But I was in charge of bringing back our red carpet leases and, uh, you know, telling people they owed money at the end. They're like, seriously? And then you had to tell them they were $200 more in payment. Yep. Plus they owed a, they were over on their mileage, all the bad stuff. You yep. know, it was great. Then they finally started building into the leases, those types of things, right? So that was great. But, uh, you know, it's it's a great industry, and even today, I mean, that's why we have NADA's so many yes. vendors that are here because there's so many things that are so much slippage. I know, and it's the little things. I'm telling you, I, I want to push for it. I want to, I want to. It's what it is. It's like we, and I, and I almost kind of have this in my head, of and every dealership slightly different, right? So I, fi I, I think of it like a little tin boat, all right, and there's all these pencil size holes in the tin boat. You know, some dealerships have a lot more than others. Uh -huh. Some have less, yeah. and it's just like I feel like the next couple of years. That's the best way to kind of describe it. And it's I, like you need to start. You, you need to start filling yeah. in these pin these yeah. pinholes. Yeah, there's some days I think I'd like to own a dealership. I will go back and try to try to start implementing a lot of this talking head stuff that I say and uh -huh. and think about because it's you know you and I can sit in this nice little Tesla and ride around, be driven, you know, and it's kind of fun, and right? talk about it. <laughs> But when you're the guy that's the owner that spent the money to be what he is today and, and the time, it's a lot easier said than done. It is a lot easier said than done. And, and I think that's, that's the biggest challenge is our industry is, you know, it's just any industry I think is easier said than done. Oh, it and is it's true. not easy. And we're all working hard every day. And I, I, God bless those guys that are out there, you know, working hard and putting in the hours because, you know, I work hard, put in the hours too, in a different way, um, and it's not easy. It's not easy what I do. Um, and again, just we just got to all work hard to try to make things better. And I think that's that's something that you know the technology can help us do. And mm -hmm. we've got to look at our people, and we've got to invest in our people, yep. and and do that as much as possible. We got to know our people. And to your point so about what are the buttons that that push and help that person and why they do what they do and the why but it seems like we don't okay so i call this superstar culture okay we a we have to stop hiring for it all yeah. we're looking for are these 20 car guys right i just want these 20 30 car guys whatever it is yeah. right i'm just we're looking for these superstar cultures so but we're not developing and the the, the sales people that we have right now it's just like we're it, we, it's like we almost want to ignore that and if I could just find a superstar then I could just plop them right into that seat and yeah. I don't really need to do any work yeah. I don't know why I don't know why we keep heading that direction but you, you look at what some of these teams they they put superstars on the team and everybody else falls 
And that goes back down to the culture thing. Because just because the person is a good salesperson doesn't necessarily mean they're the right person for the culture. But to be able to say that, you actually have to define what that culture is going to be. Right. Well, I have a good friend of mine, John Sykes. Go in the next line. He's at Epsilon, and he's a big believer in these companies that talk about their culture mm-hmm. are the companies that usually have bad cultures. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> if they're out there touting how great their culture is, like I saw this, I, I saw this uh, video of uh, this guy from Google talking about his culture, and I'm like, I'm looking around at, in the room, and I'm watching everybody. I'm like, is nobody talking about how Google just had like a monster walkout? Yeah, exactly. And like, and there's like people don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> like, I know. I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's funny. It's good. I tell you what, this has been really a good experience. Really nice. Great Thanks. This is the first time, so thank you yeah, for letting me figure time. out the the route and everything. And I enjoy watching, you know, watching all your podcasts, and I stay engaged with it. And um, anytime, I'd love to be back on with you, talk more. Let's do it. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. That's fine. Really appreciate this. Thank you. Really good. Thanks.